This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Demystifying Data. I'm your host, Chris Clegg. And today we got the second part of that interview with Isaac Simpson, who's Director of Content Strategy at NVE Experience Agency and also writer, Daily Cultural Trends newsletter at the Future Party. Thefutureparty.com is the place to get more information about that newsletter. And in the first part of this two-part episode, we really dove into influencer marketing and his ideas around influencer marketing, how the market's maturing. We talked about, you know, the tools that are available to find the right influencers for a brand, where advertising is going. We talked about this great idea on how influencers are really influencing each other and in doing so, creating these niche channels that good marketers and good brands are really starting to tap into. And in the second part, we dive deep into measurement. He talks about his four goals that any marketing campaign has. And he talks about it as being awareness, consideration, preference, and conversion and says you got to pick one of those four and that really becomes the central goal. And, you know, it's interesting. He's got a really good bent on it and it's not necessarily something that I would have said on my side, but I can't disagree with him. He's got a really interesting approach to how you you narrow in and simplify what you're trying to accomplish and how you think about measurement when it comes to influencer marketing and really any, any digital or social campaign. And we talk a little bit about split testing and how the idea of split testing applies here as much as anywhere and how it just helps you get better at what you're doing. So without further ado, uh, here is Isaac Simpson with the second part of this two-part episode on influencer marketing. I guess I'd ask you, how do you measure all this stuff? Like, how do we know what success is other than just confirming a CPM buy? How do we start to think about how to deal with that? I got 100,000 followers, but 70 of them were purchased versus the 2,000 that are so purely authentic, it's worth tenfold. How do we start to dissect that and quantify that for brands? Right. The way that I was taught to think about ROI is that every campaign has one of four goals. One is awareness, two is consideration, three is preference, and four is conversion. Have you ever heard that before? So awareness, consideration, preference, and conversion. Right. That's like the four, okay. the four ways you can, you know, the four goals of a campaign. You choose one of the four. That's kind of like a purchase life cycle thing. It's right. moving something, somebody through a process. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, the funnel, right? Is that the funnel? So the same goes with influencer campaigns. So awareness, obviously, if you're going for awareness, you're going to be using different metrics to judge the success of a campaign versus if you're going for conversions. I mean, conversions is the easiest, right? And influencer marketing is uniquely set up to track conversions, probably better than any other type of marketing that exists. I mean, besides digital, besides like banner ads, right? Where you can directly track a conversion or like Google AdWords, you know, where it's just you pay per the conversion basically or per the click. With influencers, yeah, it's easy to track conversions, right? Because if that's what you're going for, you give them a discount code or whatever, and you just measure how many people used it. So that's easy. Yeah. In my experience, those campaigns are rare and they're probably rare because 
<laughs> they don't work that well. You know, I mean, I think brands are generally pretty disappointed in the results of those types of campaigns. That said, they're not always disappointed. I've seen some of those campaigns do insanely well. But maybe you know, yeah. 10% of those campaigns, you really got to get the right person. What's unique about those 10% that blow it out of the water? It's the right person at the right time with the right product. Okay, you yeah. know, it's, it's you got to hit a buzzy product with exactly the right person whose audience like loves that thing. You know, it's a totally a Pareto principle, 80, 20 rule thing where it's like, it's even more than that. I would say it's like 10%, 90%, 90% of the influencers, 90% of the posts are not going to do anything. And then you'll have like one or two that for whatever reason, just totally work. And you'll get like 60% of your conversions through that one post. Yeah. You know, if there was a secret formula to it, everyone would use it. It's just, you know, it's kind of about understanding who's the right partner, understanding the demand. You know, I mean, I heard recently of a, you know, a new cannabis company who was using a lot of, I don't want to reveal anything, but, but I'll just say they were using one type of influencer for getting their cannabis. And it was just, you know, maybe it was building awareness, but it was not converting at all. They switched to a different type of influencer and suddenly, boom, like tons of conversions just on this one guy. And like 70% of all of their conversions came from this one dude because they kind of shifted strategy and it was just like, oh, that's where that audience is looking. That's where the audience ready to buy the product is looking Yeah, or at least try it. And and it was more art than science, you'd say, or was there something that was being done that helps them make shift those gears. No, total art. It's about, you know, it's about understanding where your audience lives yeah. and where the ones, you know, and also, yeah. again, as you were talking about with the halo effect, conversions aren't everything, you know I mean? Maybe, yeah. maybe some awareness work that they had done with the other influencers earlier, set it up perfectly for this other guy to convert. I mean, and this is a little bit of the problem in general, being so obsessed with data is you're kind of like, it's a dog chasing its tail to a certain. Yeah. But I mean, and this may be the artist, the data guy talking to the artist. I, I, I have a, such a hard time with yeah. that. You know what I mean? Because I want, if the answer is you're going to hit it 10% of the time, so do it 10 times so you have a chance to have a winner, it pains me because of the efficiency problem with that. Yeah. And that means that it's 10 times more expensive to try and get that success. But it also, I think it speaks to what we started the conversation talking about, which was it is an immature market. You know what I mean? It's, and, and this really speaks to that immaturity where we should be able to get better direction and quantify something that's going to help us split test down to it being one out of four or one out of two instead of it being one out of 10. But, you know, if it's not there yet, it's not there yet. We, we've got to live with it. And in the meantime, we're going to have to be smart and use the wisdom folks that are doing it a lot like yourself and, and try to have that be the thing that compensates until the data science can catch up. Well, but let me ask you this. Can you ever get, so even in traditional advertising, is there such thing as like a success rate of a traditional ad? Yeah, absolutely. At its core, the success of a traditional ad is if it performs better than the ad before it or the one previous, you know what I mean? So that's the first criteria is right. you just, you A, B split test yourself to betterness. So you, you have a baseline of what you're seeing, be it impressions, conversion, moving somebody through the life cycle by eliciting some kind of action that, that moves them towards a revenue generating event. And right. you lay down those baselines as clearly as you can in a quantified way. 
And then you tweak things. You, you kind of, let me use this person or let me use this kind of setting or let me change the color or change the headline or do whatever. And am I getting incremental, statistically significant improvements? That's the way we've done it forever. And digital and the digital tools allow us to do it so much faster because it used to be you had to spend 5,000 bucks incremental to do that and put an ad in a catalog that, that has some variation and then wait three months to see what your call volume was. Right. Now you can do it for $25 on uh, Google AdWords in, in 30 minutes. But the method is still the same. And I got to think that there is there needs to come to a place where there's something similar with influencers. But it, I mean, that could be kind of getting to the heart of what an authentic influencer has to offer. And it's naive to think that that can be overqualified. But I'm going to, as I say that, I'm going to counter myself because of, you know, what the Davy Brown Index does. And because of, they've got these criteria, I think it's 11 criteria they've identified that if they can get a rating on, on a celebrity or a sports person or like on these 11 criteria, then they can match that to brands and therefore create a better connection that Matt McConaughey to, to Lincoln and therefore move that split testing downstream faster. And I look for the similar thing in the influencer space. And I think like you, I don't see it. And maybe that's intrinsic to the space, like what you're suggesting, or maybe it's an aspect of why the space is still labeled as being kind of up and coming or, or immature from a marketing perspective. No, no, I, I think I'm totally in agreement with everything you just said. I, I guess, no, of course, there is a very, very important and prominent role for data in influencers, just as there is in, in traditional advertising, if not more so. And I, there's so many ways in which it is important. I mean, e- even just the yeah, yeah. finding of influencers is in completely reliant on data, right? And oh, yeah. so making sure they're not phony, which a ton of them are. You know, so I think there's totally role. There's totally role for A/B testing. There, you know, at least as much as there is in the traditional ad world. My only point was that, and I'm sure that you would probably agree with this. It's never going to be a hundred percent answer. You're never going to get that ten down to one. You know, I mean, it's always going to be chasing something, right? And you kind of got to just working at it forever. You know, and and you're going to get a hit, and then you're going to be like, oh, that hit was working and then boom, it suddenly stopped working. And then totally, you got to just totally. you know, keep going. This is great. I've, I've enjoyed your perspective. I've, I appreciate you taking some time to share it. It's awesome. And it's something that I don't know a lot about. And I think I've learned in the last 30 minutes as much as I might've learned in the last three years about how this aspect of the digital world works. Tell me about some of the stuff you're working on. Like what's going to be coming up in the next six months, next 12 months? Like what are the things that that you're getting excited about or that are a part of what you do? Sure. So one very exciting thing that we're working on at the Future Party is we actually have a daily newsletter. And so it's funny when I say that because most people immediately kind of go blank because they're like, what? A newsletter? That's like the least cool thing you could possibly say. (laughs) But if you (laughs) are sort of bet on this newsletter that we've been working on for about a year is that newsletters are the new podcasts, which were the new blogs. So if you talk to somebody 10 years ago and told them that long form audio was going to be the hottest media format of 2020, (laughs) no one would have believed you. But here we are where podcasts, at least in 2019, were pretty much like the coolest new thing around in terms of 
yeah. listening or in terms of digesting media, right? Yeah. So that was completely unpredictable. Our bet is that because of the oversaturation of your information intake, curators are going to take a much larger role and newsletters are sort of the perfect curation tool because yeah. they exist, at least the good ones, exist sort of on top of the news and they digest it for you. So if you look at products like The Hustle, Morning Brew, The Skim, they have done a great job of delivering that quicker, snappier, more fun to read news to your inbox every morning. Yeah. So we are doing that. Future Party does that cool. for creative industries. So we're cool. like the morning brew for entertainment and advertising and influencers and, and that sort of thing. So that's a big part of what we're working on right now is, is building out that product. What? You can subscribe to that at futureparty.com. Okay, futureparty.com. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And tell me about yeah. like what is it about the newsletter that's going to make it better, special, something that I want to read? Well, I mean, the, for the first part, there is no morning brew for entertainment right now. I mean, there okay. there is the morning brew, but that's for finance. The hustle is for, you know, sort of big tech world kind of thing. And the scam is just everything. It's like just like front page. So really, there's nobody owning that curatorial space in the entertainment world, at least that I've ever heard of. And I know pretty, you know, I know that space pretty well. Is it about the business of entertainment or is it about the entertainment consumption itself? Business. So it's, it's kind of, okay, gotcha. our target is people like you who are in the business of media and entertainment. Yeah. So first of all, we're kind of first to market, but beyond that, you know, we're trying to be cool. We're trying to be smart. We're trying to, you know, kind of stay ahead of the curve in terms of knowing what's relevant and keeping you relevant by reading our stuff. And we've, we've had really good success so far in this past year. We've grown like 200% because, you know, hey, we're giving away this stuff for free. And uh, I do think it's very interesting to be writing so people can read less, you know? Yeah. It's like our goal is not for you to read more. We, the last thing anybody needs is more crap yeah. to digest. You know, that's why it's so funny to me when, you know, some friend of mine launches an ambitious new media company. I'm always like, man, you know, you got to have some kind of angle that's going to be a little bit different, you know? And so we're trying to be different in the sense that we're actually designed to let, get you to digest less content instead of more. Interesting. Overall. Interesting. Give me, give me the URL one more time. What was it again? So it's futureparty.com. Futureparty.com. Excellent. I'm going to certainly check it out. Fantastic, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the conversation. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thank you so much. No, I really enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it as well. Excellent. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. There you go. What a great interview. And I, I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. I enjoyed speaking with Isaac Simpson quite a bit. And I encourage you to kind of go check out his content. Look at what the stuff he's doing. Look at what they're doing over at the Future Party and see what you can gain from that. Because I'm a subscriber to the newsletter and I certainly enjoy uh, what it's all about. So thank you again for tuning in. You know, I'm, I'm always grateful for folks listening. It's really fun to see the, uh, the number of listeners increase week to week. So make sure you subscribe, make sure you stay in touch and make sure you have a great day. I really enjoy doing this. I hope you're getting some value from it as well. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.
Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.